All right. Welcome back to the Foxhole. Fox Striding in the Foxhole, Season 6, Episode 7, Number 167 overall. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here, coming from Eagle's Nest Studios, too. Studio A today, on a Monday, in between tasks. Still not on our regular schedule, so this will be another episode where we kind of split the content. So we have enough for 168. We're definitely chilling here. A lot to talk about. A lot went on this past weekend with the ladies messy going at it at the same time, splitting the soccer world, baseball, hoops, NFL. Anyway, we think the folks at www.purpleplanet.com. Next look for the tunes. Always. Shout out to the folks at Rode and Zoom for providing wonderful tools for content creation. You want to be on the podcast or sponsor it? F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. All right, let's hop into some open face. Yeah, we'll start out with a somber RIP to legendary crooner, sports fan, and universal beloved character, Tony Bennett, who passed away at 96 the end of last week, leaving his heart to cross the Rainbow Bridge. The guy, this guy, can you say a career? I mean, some of the photos from his numerous stints in Vegas that I've seen on social media, pretty cool stuff. Anyways, shout out to all of his peeps for a life well lived. Okay. You know, another thing I thought was kind of interesting before I start talking about sports. So is it true, my man Zimmy? Yeah, that's right. Mr. Hibbing, Minnesota, for your Arizona, Bob Dylan, because we're always chilling. He's going to quit touring after this big rough and ready ways, which kind of got postponed from the pandemic, is over next year. That might be not a big deal to some, but I'm like, wow, if Dylan's actually getting off the road, Window, the Stones, the Beach Boys, and some of these other beyond long in the tooth icons decide to throw it in as well. We'll keep an eye on that. All right. What do we start with open face this week? You know, it's kind of getting irritating. Every time, you know, if somebody comes out, we have to make a big deal about it. I mean, I've not cared either way going back to you know, the cat that was on the Rams and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the Jack strength coach, Kevin Maxson, came out. And there was all the publications had to make this big deal. <laughs> at, at this point, we know there are people, you know, that are gay or whatever their preference may be at this point. And I just don't think it's a, that big of a story. Sure, there's, you know, that toxic masculinity that still exist in locker rooms. But gee, if you get out of line, you get banished you know, real quickly by the various hives. So I'm failing to understand why it's still a big deal. Okay, you know, the Women's World Cup is going on. And you know, it's kind of cool that the ladies who've become big stars in their own right, and some people think even bigger than the men's, I don't quite share that opinion, but They've carved out, you know, quite a spear for themselves. And, you know, they have a very fervent following. So why am I talking about them in open face? 
because of their tendency to bring on controversy when there isn't. The whole display during the national anthem, you know, with Vietnam, you know, th th those ladies belting out their national anthem. We got several women who refused to participate, and others who just, you know, were sullenly silent, looking away. Well, you're living your best life representing your country. Can't you take, you know, the whatever couple of minutes and just play along? I mean, at some point, you can't tell me you're being oppressed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the whole equal pay thing, that's a global thing. But that's something you shouldn't take against the, you know, the United States. There's just certain things that, you know, start to get irritating after a while. And for me, hey, it's their prerogative, but I'm saying, why piss people that hate you already off? Just you know, <laughs> I admit, you don't have to placate them. And you know, if you have a different opinion, I'd love to hear it, ftinfx at gmail.com. But for me, it's just like enough with these, you know, virtual signaling, these stupid displays. You're representing the United States. Respect the, the anthem. Be nice and, and go along and forget about all those wackos on OutKick and all these other right-leaning platforms that want you to do this stuff so they can hate you even more. I mean, yeah, there's something, I think some of you, those players get off on it, but it's just so unnecessary, you know, right? And at least for me, and I'm, like I said, I'm just a podcaster. You know, if you're, anyone's free to have whatever opinion they want on the subject, I just find it kind of uh, distasteful at this point. Right? Anyway, let's move on. So, what do we think about Shikari? Having issues on the eve of the world. Is it a freak injury with her hamstring? Or me and my cynicism? Is it something else? I mean, don't get me wrong. Her rising like a phoenix out of the ashes of all the crap that happened in the previous years is a remarkable story. You know, definitely in line for comeback story of the year. But however, I always get skeptical, and especially... You know, we'll talk about this in a few minutes on one of the other segments. When people start having extraordinary performances followed by injuries, well, you know, that those those PEDs and other sort of things are always in the back of my mind. I hope it's not true, but I would be lying to myself and all of you if I didn't bring it up and have my suspicions. A lot of interesting stuff going on in track and field that you have to wonder, is it above the board or not? Okay, enough of the cynicism. Boy, two, two bullet points in a row. Hey, we're getting closer to football. <laughs> so what about Mr. Levitard and Mr. Coward? Having a beef over Justin Fields? Really? Well, I'm really curious about Mr. Miami caring about a Chicago quarterback. We know Colin likes to run his mouth and get on his soapbox on takes. But given the, the Bears and how they quite haven't delivered yet, the jury's still out on Mr. Fields. So I think it's fair game. And to see these two kind of having a little kitty squad over this is absolutely silly other than clicks and you know ratings but yeah 
right? Mr. Fills, deliver, and the conversation's over with. You don't deliver, more people are going to be talking about how maybe it, what, you are a bust. Anyway, then you got the whole thing with Poole and, Day, and Draymond. Poole's dead, basically saying he wants a piece of Draymond, calling him a soft-ass bitch. Really, dude? Well, I mean, there's so much to unpack. We talked about this quite a bit last season. I just kind of find it funny that you, you go to your son's games, you had all year to go confront Draymond, maybe beat him in the hallway and whoop his ass if you're still that pissed about it. He's moved on. Draymond's re-signed. Just go enjoy your life and stop, you know, begging for attention or trying to make yourself relevant. How about the real deal Holyfield getting some clicks this week? Not only because his son is like yoked like the Hulk, <laughs> yoked like the Hulk, but also that apparently he get presented an opportunity for DJT. Yeah, that DJT, Mr. Trump himself, to make some nice cash. You want some commentary in one of these fights where he got his ass kicked? I know he's a right-leaning, and like I said, we don't care whether you're left or right on this podcast, but we do care in the sense that why would you help that guy put money in his pocket? Of all, of all folks, the world gets more and more interesting by the minute, huh? Okay, then we've got Autograph Gate. You know, the, we talked about the whole athlete celebrity golf thing that Curry won and had the hole in one. Apparently, they had some, you know, Mahomes was signing too many autographs. And, you know, the event organizers said, hey, you know, you can't, because you can't get everyone. So he decided if I can't sign everybody's, I'm not going to sign any. And this dad, kid, you know, and his kid came up for an autograph and he wouldn't give him one. I guess dad had to have a scene. Is trying to get the internet to sort of make Mahomes out to be a villain. The whole autograph-seeking thing is always, I've found, odious. And, you know, do what you will, folks. But, you know, I give Mahomes all kinds of props for just saying that, man. And he was cool about it by saying, look, if I have to sign your kid, I have to sign the other 108 kids that also want one. So, Yeah. Sorry, Dad, you know, you got your 15 seconds of fame, relish it, but it didn't really work because it seems that Mahomes is getting more love this week than he has in the offseason, obviously, with Camp returning and whatnot, and the Chiefs being the, the defending champs. But yeah, point being is he didn't suffer any, any long-standing damage from this. <sighs> Okay, then we've got Hillbilly Kobe. He says him and Taylor Swift were never an item, which, you know, truthfully, I didn't think so either. But kudos to him for kind of going along with it and pulling everybody's leg. Just, right, why not have fun? This guy's living his best life. He just got paid on his way to being a star, getting a good laugh. More power to you. Then you've got my man Tom Brady joining the Electric Boat League, whatever the hell that is, 
as an owner, must be nice that you could lose $30 million in a a crypto failure and still have money to throw in an electric boat league. All right, Tom, continue to live your best life, but we're keeping an eye on whether or not you pick up the phone when the bucks come begging when their offense stinks. Okay, we're off and running. We'll be back with a 43K view on the other side. on a Monday definitely trying to blast through this because we've just got so many things going on right now bear with me you know stumble a little bit during the first segment it's been that kind of weekend or week all kinds of upheaval going on in the foxhole but hey we're coming to you every week with a new set of content so that said Let's pull out the drones. Don't feel like going to the airport today. I don't have time for that. Let's pull out the drones. Get them flying high above the campuses of America at 43,000 feet. Let's take the high view of the campus. Well, well, well. Uh, you know, the woke world and the insanity that comes with it it just has no ceiling or basement. How about the Colonial Athletic Association rebranding, because colonial now is a terrible word. <laughs> we don't want to be associated with colonization, even though that's what made this world great, whether you like it or not, in terms of progress. Yes, there's a lot of subjugation and all that sort of stuff, but it is still, I don't know, part of our heritage and history a rebranding as the Coastal Athletic Association. So it's still the CAA, but it's no longer colonial. That's like, okay. Yes, colonialism is associated with slavery, subjugation, exploitation. So I guess if you're higher ed and you have a woke bent, maybe they've got a point. I don't know. I just think it's kind of. I think it's kind of silly, but you. Know, hey, it's not my. It's not my conference. Obviously, they got quite a few people to hop on board with this rebranding. Okay, but you gotta wonder about this oversensitive world at times. Okay, how about the folks at Florida A and M? You know, I didn't think anyone could top Three Leg Greg and the Seventh Floor Jab that the Miami Hurricanes had. But apparently, someone says, hold my beer. I forget what rapper it was, but he filmed the video in the locker room. I don't know who arranged that. They had to suspend their program. And if you've heard the rap or seen the lyrics, I mean, okay, because we're kind of jaded over here. We've seen everything when it comes to what could be said in popular culture. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting, but, you know, nothing out of line. But I guess if you're a brand that has high standards, 
you can't have somebody in your locker room talking about hoes and bees and how you're gonna f them and 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 the what and you know, it's pretty graphic. <laughs> yeah, I, even myself, I was just like going, dang. So you can see why the coach probably, you know, before almost having a stroke, going, oh, this is associated with my program. And in my locker room, I have to explain this to the university brass. Yeah, it's not surprising that they have shut down all football activities, you know, for the immediate future. I don't know what to say here, other than, did you all really think that was going to fly in this day and age? You know, a level of, a a toxic levels of misogyny. Uh, being very disrespectful to women and just being downright, you know, raunchy. Just, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know why you think you were going to be, be able to get away with that. Especially, you know, in wake of what happened, you know, the seventh floor rap that Miami did years ago. And that was pretty raunchy. But this, yeah, it takes, it takes it to another level. And doing it in in the locker room, yeah. <sighs> okay, think of the Northwestern athletes. You know, many of them are going to the court over this hazing thing. You know, a lot of the details have come out, and the question is that people like myself and, and others doing podcasts, did these athletes have a point in terms of how they were traumatized, or are they soft? And I'm not so sure at the right because I, I do know that playing sports, in the back in the day, of course, and the amount of you know, joking, I guess you could call it hazing. I mean, part of that culture, yeah, you could say it's kind of something else that falls under the category of toxic masculinity and all that other stuff and but yeah you hear some of these players and you have to think gee you know I know what kind of stupid stuff we used to do and I don't remember anybody acting as traumatized as these guys are and now they're going to court and trying to get paid Oh, well, we'll have to get some more info as far as this one goes. Because, yeah, I saw some of the allegations. And yeah, let's put it this way. It's probably something you wouldn't want representative of your program. But you're like, these people are, are, are acting like, wow, man, I'm going to have to be on Prozac and other things to calm the, the trauma that I suffered. I'm not sure I see that. You got an opinion on this, I'd love to hear it. FTI, FTINFX at gmail.com. Yeah, we're on a roll as far as being salty on a Monday. You know, but it's, I'll just say this. I guess my question is, are these athletes soft or is there truly a broken culture of these athletic programs that needs to be fixed ASAP? And I'll give you my short take on it is I think it's a little of both. And I do think these athletes probably are softer than the folks who went through the turnstiles before then. But 
given all of the, just like the story we had at F, you know, Florida A&M and, and other instances with gambling, NIL and all this other stuff, there's definitely a culture, let's not even get into the whole rape culture, that it's definitely things that need to be fixed and they need to be fixed ASAP, which is not a surprise that the folks on the Hill are having discussions a bipartisan group of senators is attempting to put guardrails on NIL and some of the other provisions, saying it's the only way to keep this on a fair and level playing field. This is Lane Kippen, goes out, doubles down, and just says, I'm going along with it, but you can't tell me it's not a license to steal. So hopefully, and I, we predicted this, you know, at the very beginning in, in season one, that Congress was going to have to get involved. And I think there's so many things that you could point out from this past week that definitely suggest. I know I'm bouncing all over the place, but <laughs> the broken culture that needs to be fixed and also putting the lid, you know, on the wild, wild west that's allowing this culture to get more putrid by by the second. Okay, let me flip over to a local story. How about, I don't know, I mean, for you local folks, the whole thing with the Oregon Beach Volleyball and basically Title IX being ignored once again. You know, they, they don't have access to the facilities at the school. They play over in a park, I think, where my, where my pal my softball. Basically, their locker room is <laughs> bathroom stalls with no doors. <sighs> you think with a program like Oregon's that it makes all this money, and they're just like saying, well, yeah, that's for football, basketball, and sports that get visibility, but nobody cares about beach volleyball. I'm not saying that me personally, but that's obviously the, the message. If you read some of the comments on Oregon.live. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that crazy stuff going on there. So let's get to some other stuff. How about Mr. Caleb saying that USC not only will, will rebound from its disappointment last year, but they will be in the CFP. A lot of tough talk. We'll see if we can back it up. And I think it's also interesting that a lot of the publications, because it was media day for a lot of the conferences last week, think that Oregon State, new, new upgrade to Reser, will face USC possibly in the conference championship. Which brings me to this. How all of a sudden did Oregon become the stepchild? Definitely being overlooked. And do you wonder that Dan Lanning telling his troops, we're getting dissed. What do you mean, pick fourth or fifth, as far as the Pac-12 goes? I'm very curious to see about that. I mean, I'm not sold on USC. It wasn't last year, as you know. I said many times on the podcast. Now, definitely high on Oregon State. That, that still remains to be seen. But I don't feel comfortable just all of a sudden putting... Oregon, you know, in that next tier. I've not quite seen that yet, and I'm sure Dan Lanning's feeling the same way. But yeah. And of course, speaking of the Pac-12, Mr. Kilgakoff saying he's not worried about the Big Ten poaching teams 
in the Pac-12. Should he be? Yeah, he should be. The fact that Colorado is sitting on the fence, Oregon and Washington are looking above the tree line just to, to, to see how the immediate future plays out. So I would think if you are in his shoes, I'm talking about being the big honcho of the Pac-12 with the media rights deals supposedly close, but it still hasn't come to fruition yet. You know, I don't know. It's kind of a familiar, familiar refrain there. Yeah, it's almost done, but it isn't. And I think the more uncertainty you have around the Pacific Conference, the more likelihood an aggressive conference like the Big 12 definitely is going to try to make some overtures to some of the more attractive products. Makes sense, don't it? Be keeping an eye on that as we're almost in August, which means we're getting closer and closer to some football. Okay. Well, the SEC media has spoken, and they believe Georgia will be on top in 2023, continuing its flying run over the past couple of years. I'm sure Mr. Saban, the Vols, and LSU will have something to say about that. Okay, lastly, when I talk about the whole broken culture, let me circle back. I don't know where I read this story, but about old Miss running back, Quishon Judkins. He was like, I think, the frost of the year in the SEC. Because he bought like a Benz from one of Saban's dealerships. You know, he did, obviously, he's from Alabama. And because Bama's so stuck, they passed up on him. He said no hard feelings. And had no problem with buying a Benz. Why am I bringing this up? Because the whole NIL thing, back in my day and beyond my day, what student can afford to buy a Benz? You know, really? And you wonder why these guys are, are, are targets for robberies and other kinds of one-time violence. Going back to, I guess, a culture that's broken that needs to be fixed. That's why there needs to be some guardrails put on this. I'm not sure that's going to keep folks from making the kind of dollars that will allow them to buy at bins. But seriously, man, I'm telling you, if I was still of, of college age, I'd be hopping mad you know, if I'm eating Top Robin and then hold me because he's, he's playing football against the wrong between a dealership and say, yeah, dude. <laughs> me up with a fat bins as my whip. Yeah, okay. Anyways, we're still rolling. We'll be back with something you should probably know on the other side. Dragon of Foxhole, Season 6, Episode 7, 167 overall. Thank all the folks who've been tuning in. Tell your friends. Want to be on the show? Please step up. We'd love to have some guests here. Probably have to work a little bit harder to draw some in, but that's a whole other story. Anyways, it's time for one of our favorite segments. Something you should probably know. 
or things that happened in the sports week this past week you might want to know about? Well, we had the fourth major of the year. That's always weird with the, the PGA now being number two. But nonetheless, we open with American Brian Harmon basically going into the final round, leading by five. And he closes the deal in you know, spectacular fashion. On a very rainy day in Liverpool. Probably break this down a little bit more in the next episode because obviously he was subjected to some some hooliganism as far as some of the rowdy Brits. Got to get some more details as far as that goes, but props to him. That it was pretty cool that Mr. Anti-Live is basically saying, well, since we you know all about money, give up the ghost and let's finally make the players a fifth major. You know, I've been saying that even before this podcast existed. So, yeah, that's not a bad thing if you ask me, you know, right? But anyways, the majors are over with. Now we're on to the FedEx playoffs. Kind of cool that Golf VR is allowing folks to, to, to play in a virtual version of that. My game sucks, so I think I'm going to sit out this round as far as that goes. I've kind of scooped it out because they've been dropping some new content. Played that that course. It's fat. What else do we have? Okay, so Mr. Verstappen doing it again and again and again. Right? Seven, I'm going to say seven, eight in a row. Twelve straight for Red Bull. Shattering all kinds of records. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Becoming so matter of a fact, it's almost like I turn on the TV to, to, to catch a peek. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, let's see here. You know, you had Mr. I can't even pronounce it, but the, the cat that, you know, is winning the Tour de France. Watched a little bit of that yesterday with friend of the show, Andy G. Kind of cool scenes on the Champs-Élysées and, uh, Yeah. It's always cool when that race kind of wraps up. You know, we had a couple of NASCAR events. I mean, I know that yesterday they were at Pocono. A lot of great wrecks there. Previous week, we had Mr. Martin Truex winning in New Hampshire. Always love that New Hampshire somehow has a race on the NASCAR circuit. Not necessarily New Hampshire. At NASCAR, you think about, but that's always been, you know, a classic stop on the circuit. You know, Mr. Truex is contemplating retirement. He's having himself quite the year. And he had, you know, we had all kinds of indie car stuff here on consecutive weekends. Last weekend, with Kristen Lungard winning at the streets of Toronto. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? Okay, over in the UFC, how about this one? You know, Battle of Heavyweights, this is like fight night. I don't know if you remember last year um, when Tom Aspinall, he had that freak, he had that freak uh, injury where he like broke his leg, kind of stepped the wrong way. He's basically out for a year. Well, he returns and man, he, he's fighting Marcin Tibera at night. Totally devastated him. I think it was like a TKO at 113 of the first round. Kind of getting a look at that. 
Good to see that he's back and back with a vengeance. Over on the boxing side of the equation, lo and behold, another week and more controversy, kind of confirming what we've been saying all along about this sport and its woes. Big fight with the lightweights, um, George Cambusos and Maxi Hughes. And of course, all kinds of controversy. Cambusos wins by decision, and nobody was happy with the scoring. An ongoing problem in that sport, as people say, when are they ever going to get their act together and have things seem like they're on the level? Right? It's just one sport that refuses to get out of its way, right? Okay. Then you've got over in the swim world, we get the worlds. We're always talking about, well, not always, but occasionally we bring up the exploits of one Kitty Ledecky. And how about Ariane Titmus saying, hey, it's her world, not Ledecky's, as she wins the 400-meter freestyle on a world record time of 355.38. Always news when you see Miss Ledecky losing. Okay, now this is going back to what I was saying in the opening segment. I was talking about Shikari and my suspicions. So we have a, the women's mile. We had... The record shattered by five seconds. Faith Kipion ran a 407.64. That's, that's smoking by any standard. My problem here, and my problem always is going to be with track and field, how do you smash a record by five seconds? Especially when we're talking up the mile. I mean, I, I've seen, you know, that the times that, that have been slashed in like the marathon the 10,000 meters and 5,000 meters and that's always had my suspicions but when you can in the mile knock off five seconds are you kidding me yeah you know I don't want to always be so cynical but it's really hard for me not to and as we head into an Olympic year next year I've got all kinds of questions about is it going to be on the level? I mean, I hate to think that in all in like cycling, track and field, even baseball, I've always got the suspicious eye, just like, yes, we know training methods are better. The conditioning, diet, all that sort of thing, the kind of there's a lot of things that should tell me not to be cynical, but then when I start seeing some of these astronomical times, especially when you just shatter them, how can you not be suspicious? Now, isn't that the same way with Flojo, right? And that's why Flojo gets no love or credibility in that world, because it's just that you look at these times and just say, oh, no, man, that ain't real. <laughs> that ain't on the level, man. Yeah, so we will see, you know, as we move closer and closer to 2024, if these mind-blowing performances continue, will someone blow the whistle and say, okay, let's take a step back and figure out what the hell these guys are doing? <laughs> All right, folks, that's what's going on with something you should probably know. We'll come back with something interesting. 
in a few minutes. Welcome back to the Foxhole. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Breaking down another week of sport, obviously. Doing this on a Monday, which means we're still not on our regular schedule. Which means we're kind of blasting through this. Not dropping all the nugs. we got to like have some content. Kind of weird when you, if you don't get this in between the Friday-Sunday window. Or I start splitting into the next week. It's like, yeah, well, if I start talking about all this stuff, what am I going to speak about next week? Yeah, first world problems, right? Go over here. We're going to talk some NBA beat here. And I'm over here watching speak with uh, all sorts of folks. For some reason, my memory is just faded, and I can't think of homie up here talking about Dame Dalahala. Kind of interesting. This isn't even on my outline. But Austin Rivers, yeah, that Austin Rivers, you know, Doc's kid, commenting on Dame's trade request, and he says it's bad for the league. Why is it bad for the league? You know I'm a big proponent of folks staying with clubs for the duration of their careers. Always be a fan of that. But I'm also not on my high horse if some folks want to move. Now, I know we've talked this thing to death as far as Dame kind of going back on wanting to be in Portland for the duration of his career. But come on, man. How is this bad for the league? If anything, Portland's going to get a lot of assets and, you know, one of the league's more interesting and talented Athletes gets an opportunity to help a team compete for a title. How is that bad? Portland will survive, especially if they are able to get a King's Ransom for Mr. Dame Dallahalla. I don't see this being bad for the league, other than football season hasn't happened yet, and these mopes need something to talk about on speak. Right? You know. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about John Morant, shall we, for a second? You know, that whole thing about him pulling the gun on that kid, and now they kind of hold one of his buddies in, as far as his lawsuit, which is a lawsuit, I'm not sure why his buddy got bracelet slapped on. Maybe I just didn't read all the details. But I'm wondering, is and this wouldn't shock me in the slightest, is his buddy taking him a fall for him? which would be in line with, you know, probably the guy I think that he is. Although, without all the facts, I shouldn't be so harsh to, to jump to such a conclusion. But it does make you wonder if you're in the foxhole. The bigger question is, can he emerge past all this nonsense, the pending suspension, and actually get his career back on track? You know, we made a big move, got rid of Brooks, so... 
you know, a little subtraction there, an addition, which should make the Grizzlies a better team. But we have to wonder, with all this nonsense, can he just get past it and focus on basketball and truly get back to being, you know, a next-gen superstar? I don't know. There just seems to be something flawed about this guy that really makes me wonder, you know, what kind of landmine is he going to step on next? I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm hoping he does get past this and, and helps the uh, Grizzlies actually be more relevant, even though I've kind of been saying for a long time that they're one of these flash-in-the-pan kind of teams. But, you know, because with the addition, right, from the cat from Boston, getting rid of Brooks, and maybe getting this guy's focus in the right place, who knows? Okay. How about Paul Pierce on, in, his, in his commentary about Dwayne Wade basically saying, put me with Shaq, put me with LeBron, and I have a hell of a lot more rings as well. He's got a point. I think he's out of line because the problem is Dwayne Wade was legit, you know, before you know, all the injuries kind of started bringing him down the back end of his career, and right? When the Lakers traded Shaq away, and they got a hard no from Riles in terms of the Lakers trying to get Wade because, you know, Wade was the kind of the centerpiece that Shaq was added to. And he was definitely a great tandem with, well, great trio, really, with LeBron and Chris Bosh and all of the uh, supporting cast. So, you know, Pierce, not bad NBAer. And sure, if he'd been on teams with, with, with Shaq and LeBron, he probably would have helped them as well. In spite of, you know, climbing into a wheelchair and faking like you're hurt and all that kind of stuff. But... He's got a point, but I do believe he's out of line. How about we leave it at that? <laughs> okay. So how about Mr. Morey saying that Harden only gets moved if a trade makes sense for the Sixers? Well, considering they just scrubbed the Sixers from his social media, forget about a trade making sense. Come to your senses, Mr. Morey, and send this guy packing quicker than you can say Jack Robinson. <laughs> as Stephen A. pointed out this morning. I mean, what has this guy been on? Four or five teams in the last five seasons or so? Yeah. He's one of those guys that I truly believe you just can't win with him. You can't depend on him. Nobody's questioning that he's a talent. You know, I mean, since everybody gets into the Hall of Fame in basketball, I guess you could say he's a Hall of Famer, but I would have my... Reservations about putting that guy in there, but nonetheless, if you're if you're in Philadelphia, <laughs> yeah, I mean even if you don't get fair value, you'll still be better off in the end. And I'm sure Mr. Embiid will thank you a million times over if you get that cancer out of the locker room. Agree or disagree? Ftinfx at gmail.com. <laughs> wow. Okay. So what is this nonsense about Russell, not Russell, gee whiz, because the comedian, you know, Clank and Ben, Mr. Simmons, to get credit 
for the year he set out. Fair or foul? I think it's foul. I think he moaned and bitched and played whatever head game. I don't think he should get a year of service. Bad enough that you know, he was able to get paid. But this idea that he's getting a year of service? <sighs> yeah. Okay, Mr. Silver, if you say so. <laughs> All right. So you have, you have the, you're going to have the Cavs and the Nets playing in Paris. Why do I bring that up? I mean, it's kind of cool, you know, this whole international thing. But Kimball Walker is jumping to the French League to play for AS Monaco. It makes me wonder, are we seeing a new trend? And are we kind of getting to a point where we may have a true global league? Or at least have a sense of a global championship, right? As basketball gets more popular across the planet. More money's being pumped in. Yeah, you know, you I I would be surprised if you see folks that are still, you know, viable taking European money and or Asian or Saudi, you know, or wherever. But this is definitely something we need to keep an eye on as far as future trends are concerned. Okay, one of the things I do find interesting, how about the whole thing with breakaway data? And it's an initiative to, that they have going to revolutionize, shoot, revolutionize shooting. You know, we've all known what video can do. And, and, and Paul, it's already played, I think, anyways, a pivotal role in improving shooting. But yeah, they're, they've been working with the, uh, I think, it, is, it, is it the uh, Ignite League or one of those, as far as having all these cameras positioned around the court and using all this analysis and metrics that been going by getting so many different angles of, of, of a shooter, you know, their perspective and blah, 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 blah. But it's kind of curious that a lot of money being put forth, a lot of folks that want to be a part of that. It's like, gee, everybody can shoot the lights out already. So what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> you know, we're even going to take it to another level. Something I'll definitely want to keep an eye on as time moves forward. Okay, then you've got LeBron in a numbers game. And, you know, it's like LeBron can't do anything without getting criticism. And this whole idea from going from 23 to 6 back to 23, obviously folks have their moments. You know, he says that he wants to honor Bill Russell and go back to 23. And everybody says, well, by going back to 23, you're dissing Jordan. And it's just like Jordan should have his... Jersey retired across the league, so some so some fraud like LeBron can't wear it. LeBron's not a f fraud, folks. He may be unlikable on many fronts or annoying, but he's not a fraud. And what's going on with all of that? Okay, LeBron, whatever the case may be. <laughs> okay, the in-season tournament still not drawing the needle. People still not really knowing what to make of it. I sure the hell don't. <laughs> oh, man. Let's talk a little WNBA real quick. How about the Aces? I just saw Becky Hammond on TV a little while ago. She went to a Beyonce concert after the latest win. Why not? I mean, they have won, what, five in a row by 15 or more points, and that's a WNBA record. The flip side of that is the Seattle Storm. Once 
you know, one of the darlings of the league. But now that you don't have Sue Bird and and Breeze do, they have dropped eight in a row. Something they haven't done, come close to doing since their expansion year. Who's that superstar power? If things go south from the block pretty quick. All right, that's what's going on in the hardwood. Quite a bit of talk there, especially in a quiet period for the association. All right, we will come back and we will talk some beautiful game life. for the foxhole. Table host Kid Harlan here. Gosh, I know mine is melting. Took me like 10 minutes to remember Rick Booker's name. But he's chilling with Shady McCoy. Joy. And, um, gee, TJ Husmanzada getting some love on Speak. Talking about the running backs. We'll bring, you know, we've been speaking about this longer than they have. But it's really become a hot-button topic. We'll get to that in a few segments. Let's go pitch side, shall we? Obviously, the big stories are the Women's World Cup and the messy mystique. Let's start off with the messy mystique. Okay. Messi had his coming-out party in South Beach Friday night, same time as the women's game. He came on, I don't know, in the 60th minute or so. Long story short, you saw the free kick to win it. Everybody's been spewing about it. This is what he does, okay? You know, as a PSG fan, as you guys, if you follow the podcast, you know, I've talked about this. So to me, it wasn't that surprising, but it was magical. I mean, you know, Beckham was basically in tears. I mean, it was quite the spectacle. Speaking of LeBron, he was there. Kimmy K was there you know, with all of her flock. You know, it was, it was a great event, and we can't wait to see what kind of numbers Apple pulled in for this. And product-wise, well, I think it's hard to say, because when it comes to the beautiful game life, you cannot be a prisoner of the moment. And Miami being mired as far south as they are the standings, but if what we saw in... That second half is any glimpse of what the future can be. Miami is going to be, Inter-Miami is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and you have to wonder, you know, league-wide, is it joy or envy? And I, my early take is that there's a lot of envy going around. Instead of just being like, yeah, we got messy, a lot of folks are just like saying, Hey, man, we got a unique thing here long before he was here. You know, don't sit there and say it's unique because of the Cuban and Latin community in Miami and South Florida. You know, some of the LAFC fans and some other supporting groups around the league. And I sort of get that. And I think all of a sudden, all of this attention for a team that 
It felt a little bit to expectations. But take a half step back, people. The whole idea of Beckham getting a team and bring and, and having the ability to attract stars like Messi, wasn't that the intent in the first place? So don't get all sour now that it's actually come to fruition and they might be a threat. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing. And, uh, you know, we got a, a glimpse of some cool stuff. Can't wait to see what else happens tomorrow when Miami plays Atlanta. Okay, so, you know, I was a little bit harsh on the women earlier about the national anthem. I'll never back off on that. And that's anybody who especially is living their best life <laughs> and, and trying to speak up for those that are oppressed. But really... But that said, they won a solid 3-0 win. I know some people were kind of cranky that it wasn't 10-0. But come on, folks. The competition has caught up. Yeah, they're still probably going to win their third straight World Cup. But they are going to be challenged at times because the ante has been risen quite a bit. And there's a lot of teams out there that are hungry. So let's not be so overwhelmed and so quick to judge when they don't beat somebody seven or eight to zero. Now props for Vietnam for showing a lot of spirit and spunk. Eh, Jamaica and France, scoreless draw. Netherlands beating Portugal one zero. Right, what happened what was big that happened last night? Like Argentina lost and Brazil won. Jamaica gets a point. Japan's fans is always being classy and picking up after everyone after they destroyed Nambia. It was like 5-0, so that's all good as far as that goes. Kind of hard, you know, these with it being down in Australia and New Zealand. You know, last night, 11 o'clock start. The night before, I think, like an 11 o'clock start. Games at 2, 3 in the morning. Not the easiest. But the Dayhards are, are doing it. It was a good watch party down at the 5th Street Public Market. Saw some great pictures here in town, in Eugene. So I'm looking forward to the rest of this competition. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun thus far. Okay. Um, then we've got the never-ending story in Paris about Kylian Mbappe and Nasser Al-Khalifi. Who is the villain in this drama? PSG, heading to Japan for its Asia tour, left Mbappe off the squad, basically sending him note that if you don't want to be here, you're not going to be included. Basically saying, dude, you don't want to extend with us, so and leave on a free, we ain't letting that happen. So both sides are in a stalemate. One of the um, Saudi clubs, I think El Halal, has posted a $332 million offer for him today. Supposedly he's not interested. We'll get into this next episode a little bit deeper. Um, it's tough for me because both sides are the villain here. I want to say Mbappe, but I think PSG, knowing they could have Settled this a long time ago and sold him to Real Madrid. And this has been over with. Mbappe, you know, he did this to AS Monaco as well. 
when he forced his way out of there to come to Paris to play with Neymar, kind of a brat. And you know, I talked about earlier in the summer how he said there was going to be no drama about his future, and here we are. But of course, not nailing him down through 2025, we were going to be at this crossroads. And I think anybody that didn't see that, myself included, we were drunk on mezcal. I don't know how this thing is going to get resolved. Like I said, it's a stalemate, and it's a shame that it's come down to this. But I will give PSG props for drawing a line in the sand. They can't let him walk for nothing, even though all the money they've got really do you care, and the money he's made for them already. Wow. You know, this won't be the last I've, I talk about this. At the MLS All-Star Game last week, and it looked like Arsenal was playing a bunch of recreational league rejects. 5-0 blitzing. Yeah, wasn't that, wasn't that fun? Especially watching Arsenal look completely listless and it's friendly at before 82,000 at MetLife Stadium on Saturday because, you know, all the European teams are conducting their, their USA tours like PSG's over in Asia right now. Everybody getting tuned up for the 23-24 season. So, yeah. Um, what else do we have here? How about Galatasaray going to get Wilfred Zaha on a free transfer? How does Crystal Palace let that happen? you got to think our buddy Lady Low, who's all happy that she's doing you know, the Peacock NBC preseason tour and getting her mug all over the place, as she's known to do. And you know, she's a renowned Crystal Palace fan. Love to hear what her take is on that. How about the tale of a Northwest? Down the League's Cup. We'll talk a little bit more about the League's Cup in a closer look, but how about Seattle stumbling? I mean, looking very putrid in its loss to Real Salt Lake. Meanwhile, Portland all of a sudden looking like world beaters. And they got a big match with Tigris coming up here. So we'll have to see what happens there. But it's kind of interesting to see a reversal of fortune with the Sounders looking like poo and Portland all of a sudden like somebody you need to like keep an eye on. And not just in the rearview mirror. Okay. And how about Barcelona and Juventus were playing at Levi, but it was canceled because of a virus. They didn't say which one. Aha. Always trying to get a COVID Chronicles <laughs> redux in here. But it makes me wonder, do they have a COVID outbreak? And as I've been saying, you know, before we, you know, did away with that segment. Funny how, you know, COVID appears and, nah, man, it ain't COVID. You know damn well it is. All right, let's go on pitch side. We'll be back with a nightfall of diamonds on the other side.
Yeah, 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 folks. Welcome back to the Foxhole. Season 6, Episode 7, 167 overall. Well, well, well. Let's talk some Nightfall of Diamonds. So, instead of my usual dead reference, even though we're still enjoying the Here Comes Sunshine box set, and still rejoicing that the Snooze Factory is in retirement, but I've got to give a quick shout-out to my homies, the Disco Biscuits, TDB, also known as Bisco, having its first West Coast run since 2009, their first appearance in the Northwest since 2001, and absolutely slaying it. I watched the show Saturday night, the only one that they webcast, I might add, from Solano Beach, which was absolutely fabulous. You know, Fish was on before that, so it was an incredible doubleheader. Baseball reference there. But yeah, but seeing the Biscuits kick ass on the West Coast, very glorious for this Biscuit night. And props to them. And they say they'll be back, and hopefully they come to Eugene when they do. All right, got to get my hippie reference in always on the night full of diamonds. Okay, so what's going on, really? Well... The big question is Otani. Just hit his 36th home run. I know, right? I mean, it's, it's, as I've said before, <laughs> the things that this guy is doing in terms of feats on the baseball, <laughs> it's staggering. But the question is, will he be moved? And word out of the Angels camp is, as long as they are viable for a playoff position, they say no. But they're doing a little bit better than they were last week, but I still say it's kind of precarious. But yeah, they're still on the mix. And I'm sure if you're Artie Moreno, you're sitting there deep in the tequila, bourbon, or whatever it is that he enjoys. He does own a brewing company, so maybe he's just drinking the cervezas. I don't know. But I'm sure he's deep you know, drinking you know, three or four of the boarding, trying to figure out what the hell do I do? You can't. He doesn't want to lose this guy. I don't blame him. I mean, this is... I mean, you talk about the messy mystique. I mean, this guy... <laughs> yeah, I don't envy him one bit, as I've said many times before. And you know, there's lots of scenarios being drawn up by the pundits as far as where he can land, but nobody knows anything. This is, you know, one of those stone-cold, what's it going to be? <laughs> it's going to be an interesting week, because what, the trade deadline is 7, six, yeah, 7.31, so it's coming up here quick. Okay. And I love that he's taking the high road by sta stating he's only focused on the Angels' playoff run. And of course he's only focused on that. I'm sure he's, you know, the minute somebody starts talking, and he says, well, no, that ain't going to do... I want to go here, it'll be different. But for now, there's no reason for him to say otherwise. Okay, speaking of up the road at Chavez Ravine, yeah, Dodgers putting up a 16 spot on AL Central leading Texas, right? And the thing is, in spite of all the my trying to put, put dirt on the Dodgers, Right over the last decade, they actually lead the NL West by four. 
And Kershaw is actually making his way back to the lineup. So, yeah, they just keep doing it. I mean, they ended up losing yesterday, but they took two out of three, so they did quite well against, you know, uh, a division leader in interleague play. And speaking of it, just makes me wonder. I mean, the AL wild card and the NL wild card are shaping up to be very entertaining when you look at all the teams bunched together. I mean, crap. The Yankees and Red Sox both, you know, basically in the cellar of the AL East, but right in the prime thick of things as far as the wild card is concerned. And over in the NL, you know, obviously, you know, the Giants are sitting there just like, yeah, man, keep an eye on us. The Phillies have been looking good. You know, that race with the Reds and the Brewers. So you have to say in the end, you know, expanding the playoffs and all that sort of stuff, it's really worked out because we're looking at a very compelling August and September with some great races. And we'll see who's really hot going into the postseason. But it's exciting. I mean, even as bad as the Padres have played, they're, they're not too far off should they get hot, you know, in August into September. All right. So, you know, a lot of good stuff on the horizon as far as that goes. You know, and you have to wonder, though, about the Mets. You know, right? We always talk about Mr. Cohen and all the money he has spent, and he's trying to show um, some patience. But they, Red Sox and the Yankees, no, Red Sox and the Mets, excuse me, the revisiting of the 86 Classic World Series, you know, <laughs> a couple of nights in Queens, as they say. But Mad Max getting knocked around and you have to wonder at some point with that ridiculous payroll, Mr. Cohen's looking around the room and just saying, okay, it's time to be sellers, blow this thing up, and, and go back to the, to the drawing board. It's not the worst thing. You know, I've had to do it a couple of times, probably going to have to do it here again in my own world. So the thing with him is, yeah, it sucks that you laid out all this money and you don't want to look like you don't know what you're doing, but that's the way things go in, in sports. When you spend a lot of money and things don't quite go as planned. And I think at this point, given the, how they're not really trending north, he may consider moving some pieces around and saying, okay, you know, we took a loss this year. I'll be drinking my, my I'll be drinking my Johnny Walker Black all winter long and giving people you know, the death grin, but that's maybe what it takes for the Mets to get where they want to be in 2024 because it's definitely not going to happen as far as 2023 is concerned. That's just my take. Ftinfx at Gmail. If you've got another one, okay. We got the Rays continuing the sputter. And now the Orioles lead by one. In fact, in the last 10, the Orioles are 7-3. and three. Meanwhile, the Rays are 4-6. and six. Considering how hot they started, you have to wonder, are they going to find themselves on the outside looking in if they're not careful? As we just talked about how compelling the AL wildcard race is shaping up to be. 
Okay. So at Cooperstown Sunday yesterday, you know me and my rants on Scott Rowland, and you know I had to go take another look because there's so many people out there really trying to convince us he's a Hall of Famer. And I look at these numbers, and I'm like saying, are you effing kidding me? 281, 2,077 hits, 316 knocks, and 1,287 homers. For me, that ain't Hall of Fame. Those are not Hall of Fame members. Yeah, you put on some good teams, but you weren't that much of a difference maker. Conversely, Fred McGriff, who went with him, I look at his case, 284, you know, 2,500 hits, definitely better than, than 2077, 493 home runs, 7 off 500, and 1,550 ribbies. And 1,500 ribbies is one of those ch those check marks. The fact that he's close to, to have, uh, having 500 home runs, only 500 short of 3,000, I have no problems with the crime dog. I was a little skeptical at first, but taking a look at his numbers, I just go, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, we got all kinds of stuff going on in the background. But looking at his numbers and looking at Rollins, just, and especially how many of these, you know, stat gurus pushing this in front of me. I mean, you can come up with all the kinds of exotic stats, as I've said before, to, to make an argument. But just based on the historic benchmarks that we use, as far as getting at the hall, Roland comes up way, way, way short. He's a good guy. So anyway, we'll close out with this one. So how about... Gary Bettman in the NHL because we're going to hop on our Samboni this week after you know staying off of it last week. He comes out and says something that made me smile. He's, he says the NHL has no plan to go to the NBA. What does that mean exactly? There will be no in-season tournament, no gimmicks. We're just going to stick to what we do best. Props to him as far as that goes because... Well, the last thing we need is one more senseless in-season tournament. Okay, we'll be back with a closer look. All right, time to... Rant, rave, editorialize, you know, chat it up, whatever you want to call it. It's a closer look. Well, where do I start? You know, we've got the, the ladies having their moment, deservingly so, as they said, they have become giant stars on their own right and on their own merit. But for me, I'm more curious right now. Are we ready for GB 2.0? And this is the men, okay? Um, yeah. World Cup is, what, you know, two and a half years away, basically. And the men's team, still kind of rudderless, still kind of lacking 
that identity that makes you want to believe they can make a step forward. And bringing GB back after all this nonsense, I don't know how I feel. I don't know whether we're ready for this. Now, I think it wasn't a bad thing, as we've said in previous podcasts, but I've had time to marinate on this for, for you know for a bit and yeah I'm a little torn here this is a tough job to take and I'm sure they put the feelers out there to the peps and other big European coaches to maybe come over here but they don't want to get involved in this in that rat's nest why would they and so going back to GB makes sense in that regard because I think you tried to take your time to land a big fish and nobody was biting. Now I know he's got to figure out his thing with Rania and some of the other players. Um, I'm okay with it, but not to sound so wishy-washy here, but still in the back of my mind just go, this just feels like mediocrity and we're not going to make the step forward that we need to make heading into 2026. That's just my gut feeling initially as far as where I stand on this right now. And the question was, are we ready for GB 2.0? And I'm going to say, no, I don't think we are. And I think that we're, we might be getting a bum deal here and that we probably should have had higher expectations and went hell over high water to make sure those happened. I hope he proves me wrong because I don't have anything against him and I think he has done a good job and it's not the worst thing for the, the men's national team, but it's definitely not the best. Okay, let's flip the switch. The League's Cup. Talked about the messy experience. Now let's dive into the League's Cup itself. Legit or just another cup? Well, we have had, in the group stage, first couple of iterations of games, I'm kind of impressed. It's exceeded my expectations. Is it moving the needle? Well, I don't know about all that. I mean, you take the whole Messi thing aside. I mean, Messi could show up to a, to, to, to a you know City League game and people would be falling out of trees you know, screaming and yelling. So, yeah, whatever there. But you know, looking at some of the other matches and some of the drama, it's been it's been compelling. You know, it's clear that teams are all about it. You know, it's cool watching the loons down a man score three goals, right? And I forget who it was that they ran out of the gym from uh, Liga MX. Uh, some of these matches that have gone to penalties is fantastic because there's no extra time. You go straight to pins. So the competition itself has been pretty cool, now, especially when you have you, know, you have the Liga MX and MLS squads going head-to-head. -head. I mean, some of these MLS versus MLS, it's just like, really? You know, it's just it's like when you see it happen in the Open Cup as well. It's just like, uh, okay, whatever. So that part, but that can't be helped. So, but initially, I like what I'm seeing. You know, I wasn't sure whether 
teams were just gonna mail this thing in, or actually going to like play with a little vigor. Mentioned the Timbers looking really looking really formidable, and wouldn't be surprised at all if they make a deep run of this. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about this in the next episode. Kind of thought NYCFC got really screwed by VAR, and yeah, I'm gonna unpack all that nonsense, and I'll have plenty to say about that in the next episode because that's just not really cool as far far as what happened to NYCFC. But nonetheless, that was a very compelling match. Um, kind of funny, you know, seeing some of the crowds. I mean, obviously, South Beach was packed to the hilt. But then down the road in Orlando, it's like, oh, you know, and a lot of purple seats there. So I say initially, you know, we'll, we'll just see the juries out. I'm encouraged with what I'm seeing. I'm kind of curious to see what kind of numbers across the board this tournament's drawing. It doesn't really seem to be moving the needle with the hardcore fans on Twitter. I mean, nobody's really, like, adamantly against this, but nobody's really waving the pom-poms, you know, that usual chatter that you get, you know, non-messy specific about what's going on here. So, obviously, Miami and Atlanta tomorrow night, we'll have our eyes on that. Okay, one more. The Saudi intrusion. We just talked earlier about the big offer for Mbappe. Some of the other overtures they were trying to make as far as getting a, a complete global footprint across the sports landscape. Um, I guess, is this really going to happen? Or is this kind of a flash in the pan where money's thrown in it and it kind of goes away? Well, I don't think so. I think we're moving closer, like I was talking the whole thing in the NBA beat with you know, Kimball Walker going to France and watching more and NBA going to France next year. I mean, the Dodgers are going to be playing in Seoul. We're moving closer to having a, you know, true world championships, world series. Now, obviously, it'll probably never happen. And... American football, but in every other sport, the apparatus is there. The cash, obviously, you know, with the Saudis, China, there's Russia, once they stop effing around with the Ukraine and get back in everybody's good graces, there's some money out there, and there's no reason for it not to happen, and I do feel the sports landscape is about to be reimagined. And I don't know how long this is going to take, but... Like with so many other things, it's already happened a lot. It's you know, it's happened. I mean, the the hints are happening much more quicker, and so this is going to happen sooner than later, I guess, in my rambling way of what I'm trying to get. At. And like it or not, yeah, there's we're definitely rapidly moving into a new era, and it's going to be curious to see how this thing shapes up. And how the dots are connected. Because it only makes sense. And, you know, we saw it already in the World Baseball Classic earlier in the year. You know, there's the World Cup is a whole nother, you know, that's a whole nother thing. But with these other sports, and I think especially basketball, 
you know, baseball is already happening, but I think with basketball, we could truly see, you know, more connections internationally. And is that a bad thing? Probably not. Time will tell, right? All right, folks, we'll be back with the NFL report and some TMCA time to close this out. Sixty-seven to a conclusion. Somehow got through this. Been a very odd Monday. Still watching a little speak on the side of my eye. Have plenty to talk about next week with Curry and Mr. LeBron. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm already looking forward to it. Really hoping to get this one out a lot sooner. Already working on the outline. Somehow get back to a semblance. Getting closer to the football, so going to be no shortage of content as we move into August. So I'm looking forward to that. Definitely if you want to be on the podcast, you need to like really get some traction there, but you know how that goes. Only so much you can do in this lifetime. Okay, where do we start? Let's start out with the Capitol riot. And I'm not talking about January 6th either. Okay, because this isn't a political podcast. But yes, it finally happened. Josh Harris and Associates took stewardship of the commanders last week and all of the DMV and Washington NFL fans took us across the globe, basked in their joy for, for a few moments. And... Yeah, you know, Mr. Harris going out to a bar and buying fans uh, around, letter to the fans, you know, making some promises. And so a, a new day is upon us in the nation's capital. I don't know quite what to make of it. Leave it to magic to sort of reignite the name controversy. And I'm glad that Mr. Harris kind of squashed that and said that, you know, fixing the culture and the environment you know, as he said, you know, in terms of the dump up that FedEx is, when you want somebody to come to your house on Sunday, you don't want them to come in with broken TVs and broken furniture all over the place. You want to treat them to a real party. And so, you know, the fact that he's probably going to pump $130 million into FedEx before, you know, even thinking about a stadium and saying that a stadium probably isn't going to happen until like 2031 or 32 as opposed to, you know, 27 or 28, like many people thought, kind of tells you, you know, they, they've got a good blueprint for what they want to do. So I know my bias aside, it'll be good for the league as far as getting this, you know, franchise pointed in a stable direction. Okay. One of the things I thought is interesting now that everybody's in camp and, you know, there's lots of content. Even Stephen A's back. You know, Skip will be back in a few weeks. Dan Campbell. 
That's right, that Dan Campbell of the the much ballyhooed Lions, basically coming out and saying, you know, we're gonna have to earn it. The hype's all great and all, but they ain't gonna be dick if we don't show up and deliver. And I love that he's got nice perspective on the challenge ahead. It makes me take a pause because you know, if you follow this podcast, I've been highly cynical about all this, you know, love surrounding them and that thinking they're very poised to take a fall out of the plane without a parachute. But seeing, you know, coach come into camp and basically like saying, hey man, you know, all that we don't we can't get into all this talk, man. We gotta go out there and deliver. That's very encouraging if you're a Lions fan. All right. And how about A-Raj? No shortage there of interesting things. You know, Sauce Gardner giving him some ice in the eight with all the diamonds and all that kind of stuff. But he basically says that playing only one year in Gotham would be a disservice to the Jets. Meaning, even if he sucks this year, he's definitely in it for a couple of years. What do I say to that? I think, okay, you know, I still believe it when I see it, but then again, what else is that guy going to do? You know, and like Mbappe and many others, I'm sure he'll waffle on that a couple of times. You know, if the Jets are good, that might be a whole different, you know, outcome as far as, you know, what his future plans will be. But, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't see the meeting expectations, so... It'll be curious to see where his mindset is when we have this conversation, you know, in late December, early January. Yeah. Okay. Let's see here. Jimmy G passes his physical, shows up, gets some, you know, high fives and smiles from everybody in Las Vegas. And the question will always remain, can he stay upright? to give the Raiders a chance to be viable, let alone competitive. Well, based on his previous track record, nothing wrong with being skeptical that <laughs> that probably not going to happen. But nonetheless, step one, him passing the physical and being ready to go right now, that's a good thing if you're a Raiders fan. For sure. Okay. Then you got Chris Jones. Yeah, that Chris Jones of the Chiefs. Tell the Chiefs, Run office to FO by not reporting the camp. Wants a new deal. Don't we all? And what was the last deal? It was like 80 mil. But he's like saying, nah, man, we're running rings. My 15 and a half sacks. No, nah, man, homie, homie wants some more cheddar. <sighs> Be curious to see how this one plays out. You know, we've got all this stuff going on with the running backs. Austin Eckler having a Zoom conference to bring attention to the the plight. I mean, we were talking about this long before it became a national story. A lot went on today. Probably save, you know, uh, talk about running backs for the next podcast. I mean, there's some things I still want to unpack, you know, especially when it comes to the CBA and some of the things like the Ryan Clarks and others said. And that Ryan Clark, you know, obviously is involved with a lot of, you know, being a player's rep. You know, he had an interesting take. One that I didn't think he would have in terms of, you know, what's going on with these guys. You know, I've said it all along. It's all about the committee. 
right? You know, and it's the one position that, you know, you can actually be cheap with because there's just a surplus at that position. Okay. Mr. Young down in Charlotte signs a four-year, $37.9 million deal. Time to get to work. Really looking forward to seeing if he's all that. That he can deliver on Sunday as opposed to breaking up the family in the Dr. Pepper commercials. It's my room now. <laughs> oh, then you have Mr. Stafford. The Rams came, you know, to him and said, yo, bro, restructure your deal so we can have some more flexibility. He's like, nah, baby, I delivered. I came here, got you your second ring. I ain't restructuring shit. And as they say, Mr. McVeigh, as we all saw in the case of Mr. Goff, well, <laughs> he can fall out of love with you pretty quickly. So I'm not sure what's going to happen there other than you played for the, uh, <laughs> right? you played for all the marbles, got the ring, and maybe that's all you get out of it. And again, you know, this is what happens when you you go all in for the ring as opposed to maybe going all in for the dynasty like it looks like the Chiefs are doing. <laughs> oh. Another year, the mad madness, the rankings come out. Some people are happy, some people aren't. Uh, always fascinated when it comes to that. Especially, you know, the folks who feel they get dissed by that. Yeah. So amazing when you think about that video game. Well, you think about the man himself. You know, I mean, I'm old enough to remember, you know, he was the classic dude on the sidelines, you know, for the Oakland Raiders 1.0. And how, you know, his legacy... And, you know, right, just with the game and how the, and, and the ratings. And we talk about this every year at this time. But, yeah, it never seems to, it never ceases to amaze me when it comes to the mad madness. Okay. We'll close that. We'll, we'll close this segment out with this. So, another year, another round of throwbacks. The Indiana Knights, oh, the Black Helmet. It kind of looks cool, and it kind of doesn't. Not sure how I feel about that. I like the purple gang being resurrected. You know, the look that the Vikings are going to readopt that they had back in you know, the 60s and 70s. I think that's cool. I don't have a problem with Seattle bringing back the 80s and 90s look, you know, along with the creamsicles coming back. The Oilers... I mean, the Titans bringing back the Oilers look, you know, for a couple of games. That's all cool as well. I mean, it's revenue. It's, you know, it's going to look good on the TV. You know, some of the people who think it's kind of overkill or are tired of it. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but, you know, lighten up, right? It's only a uniform to be worn a couple of times a year. Even if it's questionable, like the Indiana Knights, let these teams have some fun. I mean, you know the fans are going to open their walls and be like, yo, dude, check out my dope-ass creamsicle jersey. All right, let's 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 do it. Time to get out the stainless steel bowls. 
complimentary regular XL of a stinky varieties for those folks whose actions during the week are just them being themselves warranted. TMCA time in the foxhole. Well, 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 we're going to give a five strip to anybody involved in the Florida A&M debacle. If you didn't learn from the seventh floor jam that Miami did, you got to know that having that uh, tawdry rap associated with your program, especially if you're a college program, probably isn't going to go over well. And now you've got your program on hiatus. Not gay. We're going to give Vikes wide receiver rookie Jordan Addison. He said it was a dog emergency. Yeah, dude. Driving 140 in a 55 zone. Man, this is why we're always reading about you guys ending up in tragic outcomes, man. Come on, use some common sense. We're going to give Jack's defensive back Chris Claybooks three. Another DB charge? If it's one, I never say anything. But when there's smoke, there's some fire, as they say. And it's like, really, man? Can't control your anger issues when it comes to your gal? Not saying, you know, she may not be part, she's probably part of the problem, but come on, man. Walk away from this. You get way too much trouble, you know, and threats to your livelihood getting involved in any of that nonsense. We're going to give two XLs to NFL beat reporter Paul Kaharski. Getting duped by somebody, because somebody who claiming he was D-Hop, DeAndre Hopkins, but wasn't. You mean you can't, you don't know what D-Hop looks like? You don't do research on the person you're interviewing? I mean, it would probably be clearer if you'd done your homework that, yeah, this is some ass clown pulling the wool over my eyes. Okay. We're going to give three XLs to Anthony Poole, Jordan Poole's father, talking shit about going after Draymond and wanting a piece. You had all season to get to go straight to the source. Why are you talking shit now when your son's playing in a different locale and just acting like a bitch on Twitter? Come on, man. Come on, man. You're better than that. I'm going to give a regular to my man at PSG, Mr. Donnarumma. No, it's, I mean, I shouldn't be out right? He was in a traumatic robbery, you know, where him and his lady were tied up. You know, luckily they weren't hurt. But my thing is, because of all the stuff that has happened to high-profile athletes in that country, in Europe, how you do not have 24-7 security, given the money you make, is why you deserve, you know, at least a regular bowl of the smelliest varieties. Come on, folks, wise it up. You guys are easy targets. Protect yourselves. Okay, I'm going to give an XL for Autograph Dead for being that guy. Okay, making a scene with Mahomes like that, I mean, yeah, I get it, but you're kind of petty, dude. You know, Autograph's not that important. Let these people have their space. You know, if a guy says no, he says no. Don't have to sit there and be a little bitch about it. Yeah. And I'm going to give an XL to J.C. Turner and everybody else who, who say these running backs should fake an injury to get more leverage, man. Yeah, like that's going to go over well with your teammates, man. Come on, man. With their teammates. Come on, man. Stop this nonsense.
Okay. You know, AB, who's got a mansion full of stainless steel stinky bowls, we're going to give him two more XLs for opening his mouth about that porn star, you know, who's gotten famous because her husband likes, has had her filming scenes and uh, very tawdry stuff. And I'm give give one to, to the, the husband as well for calling AB out. Just like, man, do we want to hear any of this stuff? It makes you want to take two showers after hearing about it. Okay. And I'm going to give an XL to my man, number 32, Magic Johnson. Why did you have to open your mouth about the name change? Couldn't you just let people enjoy being rid of Dan Snyder? <laughs> Couldn't you just let people have a moment where there's not controversy and, you know, decisiveness and all that kind of stuff within the Washington NFL fan base? But no, you had to be, you couldn't resist yourself because this is something you specialize in, sticking the foot in your mouth in spite of how successful you have been. Woo! I don't know. We got through this one somehow. A lot of content, a lot of fun. Okay, folks, be safe. Enjoy your adult beverages. We're at the halfway point of summer, so make sure you get out there and have as much fun as you possibly can. We'll see you in, you know, anywhere from five to seven days. Hopefully, you know, on the shorter end of that so we can get back on our normal cycle. A lot to talk about in the next episode. As always, if you want to be on the podcast, drop me a line and we'll make something happen. Till then, enjoy the adult beverages and keep it real. <laughs>